This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Revelations chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants, things which must shortly take place. And He sent and signified it by His angel to His servant John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all the things that He saw. Verse 3 says, Blessed is he, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is near. Revelations 19, 6 to 8, and it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen. Everyone say fine linen. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. That, Lord, we are talking about the fine linen of the bride. Everyone say the fine linen of the bride. Father, we are not here to hear from a man. We're not here to hear from a person or human being. We're desperately in need of you. And Father, we thank you that you've chosen to use your children as your hands and your feet. And so we pray today that through this vessel that your, that your words would be heard, that your voice would be understood. It would bring light and life, conviction, clarity, healing, deliverance, purpose, destiny, peace and joy and hope to us. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for freedom in this house. We thank you for freedom in our neighborhood. We thank you for freedom in our community. We thank you for freedom in Olive Branch. We thank you for freedom in the state of Tennessee. We thank you for freedom all over the United States of America. Freedom in our nations, in our cities, in our cultures and people groups. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for freedom. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You can have a seat for just a moment. It is such an absolute privilege and an honor, an honor and a privilege again, once again, to be here and to be a tiny part of what God is doing in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Is that correct? Is that correct? Since I met your amazing pastors, I tell you, um, a guy, a little, a little hobbit from Taronga, New Zealand, just to give you some perspective on where Taronga, New Zealand is. How many have ever seen the movie The Lord of the Rings? How many have ever seen the movie The Hobbit? All right. Well, I grew up on a farm 10 minutes from where they filmed The Shire. So I'm the closest thing to a real hobbit you've ever seen. All right. I still am. For those of you who have known us for many years, I'm still the closest thing to a hobbit. I'm not going to show any feet yet. All right, Pastor Rob wants me to show the feet. I don't think you need to see any feet. 
But it is a privilege and an honor to be here and to be a small part of what God is doing in the city and in this community. But the fine linen of the bride, I believe, is a message that God wants to deposit into our spirits today. And as John, listen, as John the Revelator sat on a cave on the Greek island of Patmos, John the humble fisherman, the brother of James, John the beloved disciple of Jesus, who asked him who would betray him. This John escaped unhurt after being thrown into a pot of boiling oil. This John, the last of the original apostles to die, in his old age is now a prisoner on the island of Patmos for the unthinkable crime of preaching the gospel of Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's working in the mines. His hands are bloodied. His body battered. And in the midst of his persecution, in the epicenter of his prison, in what seemed to be a sea of hopelessness and helplessness, this John is able to see beyond his surroundings, to see beyond his situation, to hear beyond his pain, to receive a message from God delivered by an angel who was sent by Jesus with insight to the future of the world. Revelations 1.3 says, Blessed is he. Everyone say, Blessed. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep, listen, keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Blessed are those who who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things written in it for the time is near. The time is near. How much time have we as the body of Christ spent in the 66th book of the Bible. It would not be a stretch to say that it's possibly one of the most forgotten books in this moment. And yet the Word of God says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things written, keep it dear to our hearts. Why? Because the time is near. The time is near where prophecy will soon be history. And the question this morning is this, is what side of history will we all be upon? For over 6,000 years, prophecy has been becoming history. And in a world flooded with terabytes of different opinions and different narratives, it can be very easy to lose sight of the revelation that God has revealed to us in His Word. The overload of knowledge, the overload of narratives can be very distracting and confusing. We have the political narrative. We have the climate change narrative. We have the inequality narrative. We have the economic narrative. We have the poverty narrative, the health narrative. And as the drums of war continue to beat around us, championed to solve our problems is... Out of the shadows, we have the global governance narrative. <laughs> Listen to this. You're saying the answer is a global government. Why? So, hey, Tucker, thank you for having me on the show. One Global Democracy is here to create a new conversation about how we can make a better future for everyone by dissolving separate countries and international borders and giving everyone worldwide an equal voice in handling the big issues that affect us all, like climate change, which of course is the major cause of those tragic wildfires in Southern California, like inequality, which is hollowing out the middle class, as you covered last week, 
and like unlocking the doors to equal, to, excuse me, to economic opportunity for everyone. You know, and that's what's so exciting about this moment in history where we are right now. Because right now, for the first time in human history, we have an opportunity with new technology to actually implement a global democracy for the first time. So much has changed since we first had the Treaty of Westphalia in 1648 or whatever it was. You know, we've had the laws of physics articulated, we've had domesticated electricity, we've had the arrival of the internet and now blockchains. The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. And it's not social media, it's not big data, it's not robotics, it's not even AI. And you'll be surprised to learn that it's the underlying technology of digital currencies like Bitcoin. It's called the blockchain. Block chain. And what he did is he founded a company and they started making electronic tattoos. So I, I'm wearing one here on my arm. We do we have here. a camera to get a This is a develop this is a developmental system made by MC10. And it has uh, an antenna and some sensors embedded in it. And what we plan to do is work with them to advance a tattoo that could be used for authentication. Now, it may be true that 10 to 20-year-olds don't want to wear a watch on their wrist, but you can be sure that they'll be far more interested in wearing an electronic tattoo, if only to piss off their parents. Yes! Will modern technology lead us to a global utopia? Will global governance be achieved and save the world? Is this the technology, a tattoo-like mark that John saw in Revelation 13, a tattoo to be used to buy and sell and for authentication? Authentication ensures the individual is who he or she claims to be. Revelation 13, 16, as John saw it, he said, he said, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand. And in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Is this that which was spoken? Are we living in this moment? Where are we in God's time clock? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he saying to you, John 16, 13? However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, whatever he hears, he will speak. Listen, and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. He will tell us things to come. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the craziness, there are glorious things to come. The landscape of our world is changing, but the changes we are seeing are all stepping stones, signposts. They are landmarks leading us to a greater thing to come. Global governance, a tattoo-like mark, has been foretold for centuries, proving once again how profoundly true God's Word is. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Say power. Say love. Say sound mind. Say God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of power, of love, 
and of a sound mind. You see, the problem with fear is, is this. If we live in a state of fear, we call those things that are, that, that, that are as though they are not. If we live in a state of fear, the elephant on the, on the floor is not a giraffe. It's not a penguin. It's an elephant. When you live in a state of faith and life, when you're filled with the courage and the presence of God, you can see beyond all that is going on around us. A sound mind gives us the ability to, to, to see like John, beyond his noises, beyond all the circumstances, beyond all the craziness, and hear the things to come. One of the most glorious things to come is found in Re Revelation 19, 6 to 8, and it says, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. Everyone say, fine linen. Clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. In the midst of the darkness, the most glorious moment in the history of mankind is before us. John saw it like a wedding celebration. A betrothed bride is finally united with her bridegroom. A bridegroom is finally united with his bride. In the narrative, the lamb is Jesus. The wife is the church. The church is people made in the image and likeness of God. All members of the body of Christ. And it said, it said she has made herself ready. Y'all come back now. For the bride to have made herself ready, she had to have known who she was. She had to have known who she was. She had to have known she was a bride in waiting. She had to have known she is betrothed. She had to have known that the bridegroom was coming to get her. And her life is about preparing for that moment. To help us understand this concept, we need to look at the process of, of the, the culture of Jewish marriage custom today. In this moment, right now as we speak, for us to understand what we're speaking about today, we need to understand the process of Jewish marriage custom. The first step, the first step in the marriage custom of Jewish people is, number one, betrothal. Everyone say betrothal. The prospective groom would travel from his father's house to the home of the prospective bride. Listen carefully. He would pay a purchase price for her, thus establishing a marriage covenant with her and her family. Step number two, the groom would then return back to his father's house and prepare a place for his bride. This meant remaining separate from the bride for around 12 months, during which time he prepared the living accommodations for his wife and his father's house. Step number three, at a, at a time determined by the father, the groom would then return and get his bride and bring her back to his father's house. Although the bride is expecting her groom to come for her, she does not know the time nor the hour of his coming. No one knows except the father. And as a result, the groom's arrival was preceded by a shout 
which forewarned the bride of his coming. Step number four, the groom would then return with his bride to his father's house where he had prepared a place for her and there would be a wedding feast for seven days. (laughs) This happens today. Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, left his father's house in heaven, came to this earth to receive his bride which according to Ephesians 5.23 is the church. Ephesians 5.23 for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. Just as the Jewish young man had to pay a price for the, for the, had to pay a purchase price to obtain his wife, Jesus had to pay a purchase price establishing a covenant by the shedding of his own blood on the cross. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this, for you, everyone say, Say, I was, shout out, say, I was brought for a price. He says, for you were brought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. In Jesus' death, the curse of sin and death was broken off our lives. In Jesus' death, the wall of separation between God and His man, that veil was torn in two. Come on, somebody. In Jesus' death, the sons and daughters of God were born again. In Jesus' death, the ecosystem, I'll say it again. In Jesus' death, the ecosystem, of heaven was injected into the earth. It's called the kingdom of God. Come on, help me a little bit here. In Jesus' death, in Jesus' death, by the shedding of His own blood on the cross, the purchase price for the bride was paid for in full. And then John chapter 3, 16 says, God so loved the world. God so loved the world. It's not a storybook fairy tale. It's not a cliche. It is a reality. God so loved the world. He pursued the world. He valued you and I so much that he gave his son to be the purchase price of the bride. And John the Baptist foretells of this. The bridegroom, he says in John 3, 29, he says, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Before his death, Jesus says this to his disciples, John 14, 1 to 3. Listen so carefully. Oh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The bridegroom is coming for his bride. He's paid the purchase price. He's coming, family. He's coming for his bride. All those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior are part of the bride. When we repented of our sins and invited Jesus into our hearts, we also said yes. We also said yes to the purchase price of the bride. What type of a bridegroom? What type of a bridegroom pays a price and does not come to fetch what he paid for? 
What type of a bridegroom pays the price for his precious bride and does not come to receive what he paid for? Revelations 19.7 says, And his wife has made herself ready. The bride prepares herself with the understanding that he could come at any time. Is the bride ready? Is the bride ready here? Do you know how valuable you are? Being ready, what does it mean to be ready? Being ready, listen carefully, being ready is determined by what clothes we're wearing. Say after me, being ready is determined by what clothes we're wearing. What do you mean? Revelations 19, 7, it says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine. What is the fine linen? The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The bride that John saw in his vision was arrayed in fine linen. The fine linen, listen carefully, this fine linen was granted to her. It was a gift from the bridegroom. Listen carefully. She was clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus was a gift. It was a gift from the bridegroom to the bride. But she had to put the gift on. She had to wear the gift. The gift is here for all humanity. But we've got to put the gift on. You've got to put the gift on. Being ready is determined by what clothes we are wearing. And the fruit, the fruit that you are wearing, that she was wearing, the gift that was given was the righteous actions in her life. Righteous actions are the fruit that we are wearing, the fine linen of the bride. And the clothes we are wearing is determined by the condition of our heart. Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Luke 6, 45, Thank you, Mom, for this. My mama, she taught me this when I was 13 years of age. Son, read this. Luke's, thank you, Mama. Luke 6, 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Listen carefully. For out of the abundance of the heart, so a mouth speaks. Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart. Keep your heart. Want to say heart. Say heart. Heart. Keep your heart. Hobbits, hobbits say heart. Keep your heart. With all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Revelations 19.7, And his wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen. What is the fine linen? The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Are we ready, saints? Are we ready? Is our life flowing with righteous acts? 2 Corinthians 11.2, Paul to the church at Corinth. He says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Why? Because for I have betrothed you to one husband. 
that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, what was Paul's fear? He said, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. To the church at Olive Branch, the Apostle Paul is talking to us. That God, Jesus is jealous. He, he is jealous for us. Not an unpure jealousy, but the purest of pure. He says, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom you have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, his concern was, I'm concerned that you may well put up with it. The bride of Christ is is well and alive today. She is betrothed to one husband to be presented as a chaste virgin to Christ. This moment is coming, but as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, he wants to deceive the church into following another Jesus or a different gospel. He wants to distract the bride from the simplicity that is in Christ. What did the serpent say to Eve? Has God said? She, he, she questioned. He got her to question the Word of God. Has God said you are all he says you are? Has God said? Has God said? Oh, I say. Oh, I say. Oh, I say. Has God said? Has God said? Has God said? Has God said you should not eat the fruit of that tree of life? Has God said, my precious one? Has God said the reason why, the reason why, my precious, is he does not want you to eat of the fruit is because he thinks, he thinks you'll be just like him. Adam and Eve were already like God. They didn't have to eat of the fruit to be just like God. The Bible says that God made humanity, men and women, Adam and Eve, in the image and likeness of God himself. They didn't have to eat the fruit. Come on, somebody. They didn't have to eat the fruit to be just like Adam and Eve. In fact, when they ate the fruit, the opposite happened. What was so beautiful and perfect began to be decayed, began to be distorted. And the image and likeness of God was destroyed. But the good news of Easter, the good news of Christmas, every moment of every day is that through Jesus, it has all been restored. And this is the good news that I run all over the world and tell the world about. I just got to tell somebody we didn't come from monkeys. We didn't evolve over time. We were made in the image and likeness of God himself. Isaiah 61.10, Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Are we making ourselves ready? 
Are we making ourselves ready? Are we wearing our garments of salvation? Are we wearing that robe of righteousness? Is our life arrayed in fine linen and filled with the righteous acts of God? Listen carefully. Or have we been seduced by another Jesus or a different gospel? The same deceivers at work today. Has God said you are sons of God? Has God said you are the bride of Christ? Has God said Jesus is coming back? Has God said, has, we don't have to be prepared. They've been saying that for years. The world's getting better, 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 better. The world, look around you. The world's getting better, 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 better. The apostle Peter warned us in 2 Peter 3, one, 3 to 4 says scoffers. Everyone say scoffers. Say scoffers. It says, scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? Where is the promise? And they've been saying that for years and years and years. Look around you. The world continues to go on and on. We're moving on and on. We're moving on and on. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Why? Because the kingdom of God is the ecosystem of heaven on earth. What is the kingdom for the kingdom of God? Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. Say peace. Say joy in the Holy Spirit. Where is the kingdom? Luke 17, 21, north shall they say, see here or see there. For the kingdom of God is within me. Say the kingdom. Shout up. Say the kingdom of God is in me. The bride is arrayed in fine linen when she is sustained by the ecosystem of heaven. When the bride seeks first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all we need, all that we need is found in the ecosystem of heaven. We are not of this world system. We're of the king's system, His values, His purpose. We are not sustained by this world. We are stained, we're sustained by His world. What are the righteous actions you say? It's loving when you don't want to love. Loving when you have been done so dirty, you don't want to love. It's it's giving, giving when you don't have another penny left to give. And you know you've got to feed your kids, but there's someone else who's hungry. It's giving, it's giving. It's giving when you don't want to give. It's occupying, occupying when you'd rather run, when you would rather run to higher ground, when you would rather run away from that. You would rather run for fear of your life. It's standing still and standing strong when the bombs are going off around you and your wife uh, bringing medication and food to the people on the front line in Ukraine, and everything in you just wants to get away. It's holding, it's standing strong in the midst of the darkness. In Islamic countries, it's standing strong when everything else around you seems to be just falling apart. It's holding on to the king and his kingdom. What are the righteous actions? What are the righteous? sowing a seed in someone's life. It's going, leaving the 99 just to get to the one, just to let them know about this person called Jesus. It's giving a life. It's surrendering all to the king. They, this is what it means to be filled, to be arrayed in fine linen. 
Jesus said, occupy till I come. And he said, if, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. It's speaking truth and love. Hold your ground. The bridegroom is coming for his bride. Are we arrayed in fine linen? Are we living a life that is flowing with righteous acts? Or are we still bound by a world system of fear, of guilt, of shame, of hurt, defeated? Coming to church is like a bad habit for some of us. We go home miserable, still in the same place we came from. Is that God's best for His bride? Where are our hearts at? When was the last time we shared about Jesus with anybody? Just tell them about Him. When was that last moment? Are we still fearful of what others will think of us? I know I've been there too. As a young man, I grew up my whole life. Revolved around sport. For those of you who've never heard the story, some have heard the story, but this is pertinent to what we're speaking about today. As a young man, I go, my whole life, up until age 16, was rugby and cricket, everything to me. Overnight, God takes that out of my heart and puts a desire. And I had scouts from around the country saying, this kid's got great potential. We're all the way. My life, this is everything to me. This is what I thought I'd do for Jesus. Thank God for a praying mama. Overnight, he takes the desire for sport out of me and puts in me a desire to know him personally. My mama said, son, it's one thing to hear about God, another thing to see the things he does, but it's another thing actually to know him personally. And so I put the cricket bat and ball in the closet, began to walk up and down my bedroom alone, cried out to God, God, I've heard about the things you do. I've seen the things you do. I want to know you personally. Are you all that you say you are? Are you all that you say you are? Weeks go past, not a goosebump. Nothing. But I discover that God is truly a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I believe in miracles. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Suddenly, when I least expected it, the presence of God comes into my bedroom. I fall on my face and begin to weep and weep and weep like a baby. Like how? I don't know how long I was in this moment for, but all I can tell you is this, is that the young boy that went down in this moment was different from the one that stood up. And all I wanted to do, all that meant anything to me, was that this world would know about Jesus. But in my bedroom, in my bedroom, I was like a roaring lion. Bold, courageous, no fear. But every time I would step out to share my faith with anyone else, I went from from being a roaring lion to the skinniest little, the skinniest little kitty cat you could ever imagine. Scrawniest little thing you've Why? Because as a young boy, I couldn't speak. I stammered so bad, 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 bad. Badly, I stammered so badly, and I was fearful if I would come to you to tell this experience, and and I I, I was ashamed of what you would think of me if I just couldn't 
seem to get it out. How I overcame my problem is the same way that all of us will overcome the giants that we face. We, you may not be a stammerer or a stutterer, but everybody's got some form of giant that tries to stop us from being who God made us to be. And the way I overcame my problem was the more time I spent with my God, the more I fell in love with Him, the more He put His love in me until one day His love in me for you became stronger than my fear of what anybody would think of me if I came to them and just couldn't seem to get out what I needed to say. Perfect love casts out all fear. And today, there are so many of us here today that God wants to launch you to a whole new, out of the stratosphere. God wants to launch you as His body. God wants to launch us as His body. It's not about us as individuals. It's about us as the body of Christ. He wants to launch us into spaces that we didn't know existed. He wants to use us to occupy location and space. He wants to use all of us. You may not be a singer. You may not be able to do what we do, but there is something within the gift that God has given you that God wants to use as a tool to reach your people, to reach your community. God is in the pursuit of people and He has chosen His body to do the pursuing through. What holds us back? What holds us back? God wants to break the things that hold us back today. You and I are the bride of Christ. If you've invited Jesus into your heart, what you did was you said yes to the purchase price. When you asked Jesus into your heart, you said yes. You, you said yes. I said yes to the purchase price that He paid. Our lives are not our own anymore. But are we living how we want? Are we living, are, are we surrendered to Him? Are we living a life that is how the bride should live? Or are we living our own lives in the name of the church? You say, I don't know. Someone does. His name is the Holy Spirit. And His love is so pure. There is no judgment in Him. There is no condemnation in Him. He just wants you to be all that He created you and I to be. So I want us to sing this song. Let's all stand together. The God of miracles. His son Jesus is coming for his bride. And today, that bride is, is going to be arrayed in fine linen. What is the fine linen? It's the righteous acts of the saints. As we sing this, let's, let's take inventory of our lives. Let's take a moment just to ask him, Holy Spirit, show me where am I at? The one who made the blind to see is moving here in front of me moving here in front of me the one who made the deaf to hear is silencing my every fear silencing my every fear i believe in you i believe in you you're the god of me I believe in you.
is reaching out to make me whole, reaching out to make me whole. The one who put death in his place, his life is flowing through my veins, his life is flowing through my veins. continuously live in hurt. It's not God's will for us to continuously be offended. It's not God's will for us to continuously be confused. It's not God's will for us to continuously live in fear. God's will is for us to be free, whole, healthy people, clothed and arrayed in the fine linen of the bride, purified, righteous actions overflowing out of our lives. That is God's will for all of us here today. Maybe you're here today and you've never 
said yes to the purchase price that He paid for you. Maybe you're here today and you've never actually opened your heart and said, Jesus, I want you to come and live in me. I want to follow your ways. I want to be who you've created me to be. Today, we don't want to move on in this moment together until we give everyone in this place the opportunity to say yes to the purchase price he paid. You see, the whole earth, the universe stops at Easter to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of a person named Jesus. This Jesus died to pay a price for his bride, to pay a price for the sins and the hurt and the pain of humanity. That Jesus is alive and well today, and he's knocking on the door of all of our hearts and saying, will you let me inside? He'll never force himself on anybody, but he's saying, will you allow me to come and breathe life into you? If you're here today and you've never done this, you've never actually opened your heart, you've never had privilege and honor to pray with you, you've never said yes to the purchase price he paid, I would be privileged and honored to pray with you today. But we need to know who you are. So can I ask you just a minute, just now, just now, right now, just lift your hands straight up in the air if you've never done that. Lift it straight up in the air if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, ever at all. Lift it straight up in the air, straight up in the air if that's you today. Anybody here, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, but you want to. Maybe you're here today, and you have in the past asked Jesus into your heart. In the past, you've said yes to that purchase price, but you know you haven't been living the life that God made you to live. And today, you just feel like it's time to come home again. You want to recommit your life to Jesus. You want to open your heart again to receive Him. It'd be privilege and honor to pray with you if that's you today. Can you lift your hand straight up in the air if that is you? Straight up in the air. One hand over here. Anybody else? Lift it straight up there if you want to come back to Jesus again. Anybody at all? Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift your hand at the back. Another person. Anybody else? Lift your hand straight up in the air if that's you today. If that's you today. Can can I ask everyone to pray this with me? Say, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the price he paid. And today, I understand that through Adam's sin, that sin came on me. It's not about good works. It's not about being a good person, because I do good things. But I needed a Savior. When Adam sinned, his sin came on me. And so today, Lord Jesus, I say yes to the purchase price. I open my heart and I ask you to forgive me for sin in my life. And I ask you to come and live in me. Jesus, have your way in me. Jesus, find your place in me. Live in me. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, thank you for coming and paying the price you did for me. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord,
Yeah.